Welcome to the Snowboarding Podcast, All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding. I'm Chris Rogers. And I'm Nick Alfieri. This is the podcast where myself and Chris talk about all the life lessons we've learned from snowboarding, not just the good ones, but some of the struggles we've had along the way. So please stay tuned for this week's episode. All right, this week's episode, we're talking about career options in the snow sports industry. Yeah, looking at different ways that you can continue on in your career, whether that's in education or somewhere else. Yep. We've come up with a few different areas that myself and Chris may have some experience with. Some of us, uh, we may have no experience in others, but just areas that we've identified where we've seen people have successful careers and use their knowledge of snow sports to help create um, uh, some sort of career for them or some sort of financially viable option for them to stay in the industry. When you start down this path looking at a job in the ski and snowboard industry and you hear that question all the time, so when are you going to get a real job? Yeah. And I really see this as the evolution from that question as how can you really make this a career? What can you do to stay in this for the rest of your life if that's what you want to do? Yeah. And it can be it can be difficult sometimes to stay in this career. Every Every role that you end up in has its own challenges, has its own benefits. But let's let's talk about our very first thing, which we get into as far as career options, is the professional instructor. Yeah, career instructor. Yep, we all have someone, maybe not all of us, but most of us have someone in the locker room who we know fairly well that is a career instructor. And they've went through the certification process um, to be highly certified enough to get a, a, a very good hourly wage, and they work around clients. They have clients that come back year after year and request them. They're very high typically on the priority list. And they, in my mind, essentially run their own business. And they have a little bit of that entrepreneur spirit and they book their own clients. They they keep themselves busy all year long. They run their own schedules and they do fairly well actually. I know quite a few that actually do very well. I think of this as the white glove concierge style instructor. When your guests are coming to town, they call you, you take care of the details. You might help them with their hotel room. You might help them with picking them up at the airport or uh, with different travel options that they might need. And you're the person that they connect with. A lot of the successful career instructors that I've seen do their best to to manage front to back of the entire vacation. And you know they're meeting their guests in the hotel room in the morning and helping put the boots on and you know maybe going out to dinner and taking care of the kids in the evening sometimes so mom and dad can go get a drink but it's that full service end to end let's make your trip as great as possible yep and you're definitely working for a tip right a tip in in the states is a large part of that and that's where a decent part of your income can come from as you've heard stories i'm sure people in the locker room oh i got this amazing tip and that and that and that there really is quite a good relationship to be had there. And I think that that can vary quite a bit across the United States, obviously different regions. If you're looking for a career instructor type lifestyle, you're probably going to be looking at some of the bigger mountains across the country, looking for places that have that kind of clientele. You know, there's a handful of resorts that really cater to that demographic that's going to be coming year after year after year. And some of the cool things that I've, I've seen are, instructors that have worked with multiple generations of families. They may be three yeah. or even four generations where they taught the grandparents, they taught the parents, they taught the kids, and now those kids yeah. have grown up and now they're teaching their new generation of kids. Yeah, very cool. On the on the other side of that, you also have the part-time instructor mm-hmm. who 
has decided to take a step out of the, the snow sports industry as a full-time job and maybe they're working their primary career mm-hmm. and then just working 20, 30 days a year as an instructor because they love that. I, mean, I think you see a lot of that out on the East Coast where they, they might still be a career instructor, but their primary income is from a separate job and then the instructor role is a little bit more of a passion job for them. Sure, sure. On, uh, on the flip side of that, we have our next one, which comes to being a trainer. And we see a lot of people who get into the instructing and they get trained by a trainer. They might have a trainer who they've connected well with over the years. And they think, you know what? I'd actually like to share my passion, not only with the guest that's in front of me, but share my passion with other instructors so that they can share a passion with the guest. And there's a little bit of that bigger stage that comes along with being a trainer. It can be a little bit more fulfilling in some ways because you feel like you're actually starting to influence other people's careers and get them involved in instructing. I know that was one of the reasons why I wanted to get involved was to help what I thought was help other people realize how great this job of being an instructor was. So I wanted to become a trainer and help them with that. Yeah, I think um, you see a lot of people, You know, almost every trainer will tell you one of the reasons that they decided to become a trainer was they wanted to share their love of, of skiing and snowboarding, but also their particular take on how to teach. Yep. You know, you, most trainers have to have that little bit of a of an internal voice that says, I do this really well as an instructor, and I want to share the way that I do it with other instructors to make them better instructors. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with the trainer is, is that it's, it's a little bit of a catch-22 because the more you step away from instruction into training you're not getting the tips are you there is um being a trainer isn't always the most financially viable option it really isn't to me there has to be some passion there that keeps you going if you're trying to be a trainer because you think you're going to be making more money that's normally not the case you're probably better off as a career instructor if that's what you're thinking about yeah it's a little bit there's definitely some giving back to the industry side of things there there's a lot of unpaid time as a trainer, isn't there? Oh, yeah. There's, you're sitting in the locker room getting your boots off and, and somebody stops you and like, hey, I was working on this and this and this. What do you think about this? There's a lot of that that unplanned time where you, you start to become a little bit of a leader in your locker room and, and people are going to start looking to you for advice. And, and a lot of times that doesn't come with, with pay attached to it. And, and you've got to have that passion that says, I believe strongly in this or I want to give back. I want to be for the next generation what my trainer was for me, right? So it it takes that little bit of a selfless attitude of wanting to give back and wanting to take that step into a role where you're not just teaching guests and going out to dinner and getting fat tips. It's you're going to be an influencer and a leader in the locker room. Yeah, and on that different skill set, it also takes a different skill set from teaching to be a trainer, which is you've got to be someone who... It's not just teaching people how to snowboard anymore. It's teaching people how to teach. And you've got to be able to have a holistic view of what snowboard instruction is, but be able to communicate that extremely well, effectively, efficiently to other people because that's going to be what really connects. So those there is there is a definite different role. I know great instructors who have been very poor, poor trainers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know that boils right into – most certification systems for instructors anywhere in the world. You've got a level one, a level two, a level three, then usually some kind of training or certification in how to be a trainer. And, you know, and those paths aren't always the right path for everyone. Yeah. You might have a great career instructor that manages clients really well and they're a level two and that's all they're ever going to do because 
they manage their business and that's all they really needed in their school. You might have a great level three instructor that does some training and some instructing. Yeah. And then you have that trainer certification. And that isn't always the next step for everyone. Yeah. Some people uh, may not take that step into the into the trainer role because they don't have that desire to, to be a trainer or because they don't have all of the skills required. You know, maybe they don't pass their trainer certification, but they're still going to be a trainer in their school. Uh, so you've got a, lo- a lot of different gray zones as you start getting into that. And that is especially true when you start looking at the next step up, which many people think like, oh, I get my level one, then I get my level two, then I get my level three, then I become a trainer, and then I become an examiner. And we yeah. kind of have that listed as our next step in the career pathway here is is being an examiner. But I don't think those are necessarily the same skill sets. Yeah, again, I've known really good trainers who are really terrible examiners. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it takes a little bit of a different skill set, um, even more removed from the day-to-day guest, the, the examiner. But some of the skill sets are definitely the same. Some are different. Um, some of the skill sets that are the same are having a holistic view of what it means to be an instructor. Um, some of the skill sets that are different are being able to verify or quantify or assess people to their level of ownership over those skills. That becomes something that's very different than, than a trainer. It's not always, I'll, I'll be honest, as an examiner, it's not always that fun. A lot of people think like, oh, I, I really want to be an examiner. And it's, oh, that would be so great. That's, that's, that would be amazing. And it's not actually all that fun. No, sometimes, I, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> I take that back. It's it's fun. It's not. It's not. It's not always negative, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No. I. Th- but I. I do think there's there's something valid there, which is a lot of people think that that is the next step. Oh, I became a trainer. Now I'm going to become an examiner. But they're very different skill sets. And the reason people get into being a trainer that that selfless feeling of wanting to give back. You hear that when people are interviewing to become an examiner, and they say, "Well, I I really want to take that next step to that next level and really be able to." get instructors stoked and, you know, and, and be providing all this additional training. And, and you're like, whoa, 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 that's not actually what the job is. It's going to be evaluating. And it's, sometimes it's a little harsher and a little bit, you know, especially as you move up into that level two and level three world where there's a lot of stress and pressure coming from your exam group, as well as your own internal pressure to give a good exam and to be evaluating objectively to the standard. Um, I, I think that step really, the examiner role takes a whole different skill set on top of being a trainer and it is that objectivity and that ability to step outside of the situation and still hold a, an objective standard and sometimes they're your friends that you're examining or people that you've seen coming through the system or maybe people that you've trained yourself and and you have to be the one of that day that says nope you didn't achieve the standard on this day or, or you know maybe they did but you're still the one that has to communicate that and hold it and the, the pressure goes up pretty pretty high yep as far as career options goes for this one again the pay you're not you're not having a tip by any means and the 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 benefit of doing this sometimes is that it can fill schedules you know the the exams and things tend to fall into your schedule in times that are not busy times at your ski school um, yeah. it tends to fall in similar times that you would be busy as a trainer though so it really would take you asking yourself the question of whether or not you think you would like to be the examiner um, or have that skill set someone as the examiner one uh, of the perks there is the travel you know, you do get to travel and see some other resorts. And I think that's one of the things when I think back to becoming an examiner and and what really separated that from training uh, was starting to see other resorts in the Rocky Mountain region. So there's also some, some side benefits there in terms of you're going to get to know a lot of people and see a lot of resorts that you wouldn't see if you were just working at your home mountain leading training. Yep. 
All right, this comes into our next one now, which is a coach, some sort of snow sports coach, whether that is border cross or racing or freestyle, half pipe, slope style, wh whatever that may be, becoming a coach. And a lot of what we do as instructors is seen as very separate from being a coach. And some of the reasons that those are seen as separate is that um, a coach has their athletes typically for a full season and is responsible to make those athletes successful or get performance out of those athletes. And in a lot of ways, a coach's role is similar to that professional instructor that Chris was talking about earlier, which is you're kind of sun up to sun down. He was talking about the white glove treatment. Oftentimes your coaches, you may be traveling with your athletes. You may be traveling with kids who are competing. You've got to be there to see them, not just on the hill, but you've also got to be able to take care of your people who you're coaching. Um, off the hill in the mornings in the afternoons things like that making sure their boards are tuned waxing boards tuning boards That's such a huge part of being a coach Yeah, I was just catching up the other night. I was over in Hotham leading a leading a clinic and caught up with a With a friend who's taken a slightly different path and has ended up with a with a team that he coaches and travels with and We we caught up for a beverage and then he was like all right I got to go wax boards, you know And that was his night at 10 o'clock at night. He was going home to to wax and tune snowboards it's definitely a big part of of, uh, of what they do is is make sure that all of their team's needs are met and you know your your coach your your kind of chaperone your dad your mom your cleanup crew and you're making sure that everyone's fed and then you're doing wax and tuning and um, you know i think it's a pretty big role one of the cool things with the coaching is that a lot of a lot of schools there's opportunities to feel it out a little bit so many, many ski schools have some sort of local coaching program, whether it's a, a, a group of local school kids or a season long program where you work with the kids once a week, every weekend, something like that with, with local kids or local schools. And so a lot of instructors have that opportunity to, to edge into coaching a little bit by, by working with those season long teams. And it's a really good way to decide if that's something that you'd be interested with. Yep. And as far as some of the skill sets you might need to be a coach go along the way of, to me, a lot of soft skills or interpersonal skills. The coach is really a lot about how do you get performance out of an athlete. So you've got to be able to train them in technique, but you've also got to be able to help them perform under pressure, perform under stress, deal with fear. And you're working with these people over a long term. Whereas the instructor, we may be good at that in the short term. But a coach has to be much better at that in a long-term setting in order to get what they need out of an athlete. I remember really fondly some of the teams that I coached uh, when I was living in Steamboat. And, you know, just through a season, the way you see them progress. It's pretty cool when you see a kid through the entire season and, you know, you see them every Saturday, say, and you give them some things to work on when they're when they're riding through the week and they come back the next week and, you know, their, their riding's a little bit different. And through the whole season, you take them from from wherever they were to a whole nother level. It's, I think, pretty rewarding. Yep. All right, so our next one is supervisor slash management role in the ski school or snow sports industry. Yeah, so this is one you see happen sometimes. Uh, people decide they don't wanna be teaching full-time. Maybe there's, sometimes there's injuries involved or sometimes there's just a, a desire for something new. But uh, there's always opportunities in leadership roles in ski schools. And, you know, I think it takes a little bit different skill set again. You're looking at, um, some people look at it as they're managing the instructors. I, I like to think of the, that supervisor team, their job really is to create a, a stable platform for the instructors to do their job from. And in a good leadership team at a resort, that supervisor role is crucial because they're the ones 
managing group lesson assignments, managing private assignments, making sure that guests go out with the best pro that's available for that day. Um, you know, running all the day-to-day -day of the ski school, making sure budgets are met, making sure there's training programs and that there's trainers to lead clinics and that there's clinics scheduled for instructors to take out. Like very, very crucial elements that enable us to do our job and get to go go teach skiing and snowboarding. Yeah, I think if, if you're someone who tends to be a puzzle piece arranger you can look at a, a complex problem and arrange all the puzzle pieces to fit together in a way that would work you'd probably fit well into supervisor slash management role um, one of the great benefits of supervisor slash management is the pay as far as you can do some more year-round things um, especially with the ski industry the way it is now like Vail Resorts for example there's a lot of movement in Vail Resorts around, and you can get yourself to a 10-month or even a 12-month gig where you're doing some, some work in the off-season. Maybe you get two months off a year, but you're getting health benefits, you're getting health insurance. Those are all important things, and so if that's, that's where you're looking at is more of that stability type of role, supervisor and management could be a great resource for you. Yeah, coming off five years of, of being in management, and I think... You know the the stability it creates having a, a steady steady salary or steady paycheck and you know it, it you might not make as much as you do as a, at your peak as an instructor but you also have that consistent paycheck even through the mud season and you know you're able to uh, to plan a little bit better maybe you get some vacation time or some flex time or some PTO and there, it comes with its own sets of sets of benefits for sure yeah absolutely so if you think maybe your skill set might fit into one of these areas like instructor, trainer, examiner, coach, or supervisor slash management, um, have a think about where you might fit. Some other options that are possibilities that we've seen people move into more of a lateral move. They use the skill set or some of the things they may have learned through snow sports to move into things like patrol, lifts, or snowmaking slash grooming. Those are some other options for you that come to mind for me. Um, Chris, anything else come to mind for you? Yeah, we see instructors move from from instructor roles into terrain parks or into snowmaking, getting up on the mountain, doing other roles like that. I know quite a few that have moved into marketing departments at some point. You know, using their skills from you know communications degrees or journalism, advertising type degrees, and and moving to marketing departments. and And I've seen that one be really successful because the instructors know the mountain so well. They know. The, the experiences that the guests are having. And, and I think there's been quite a few really successful instructors that move that way. And then, you know, there's always the greater industry. You can look at going to work for a snowboard shop or going to work for a snowboard company or, or other elements like that. Yeah. Another thought that might be the right right place for somebody is, uh, is volunteer leadership or volunteer opportunities within the snow sports industry. We all work for nonprofit associations. Rocky Mountain, PSIA, ASI, and all of the other divisions are all 501c3 nonprofits, and there's a lot of opportunity to get involved. Maybe you don't have the desire to be an examiner, but you still want to get involved in the organization and the industry and contribute some of your skill sets. We're always looking for passionate instructors and pros that want to get involved, and there's ways to you know, be on committees and boards that help shape and steer what we actually do. Uh, that are you know really really impactful to the organization and the membership and there's lots of different ways to get involved on that side as well yeah great well i think that pretty much wraps us up
our next week's episode, we're going to get into ways to combat and manage burnout. Something that I know I suffer with, and I talk to many instructors that also suffer with it from time to time. It's This job is fantastic that we do, but it doesn't come without its pitfalls. So please stay tuned for next week's episode. All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding is a podcast by me, Chris Rogers. And me, Nick Alfieri. If you have any topics you'd like myself and Chris to discuss, um, any comments, questions, or concerns, please email us at learnedfromsnowboarding at gmail.com. Thanks.